sure that you allow uh, Mother Govinda Dasida to record uh, the meeting and me as the interpreter. I really appreciate it. I'll check with Swami to see. I didn't know there would be an interpreter. Thank you. Uh, okay, uh, just uh, let me know. Thanks. Guma Gyana Tumirandasya Gyananjana Salakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Ajunulambito Bhujo Kanatabhatu Sankirtanai Kapitaro Kamalaya Taksho Vishwamboro Dvijaboro Yugadharma Palo Vande Jagat Priyakaro Karunabhataro Vande Shri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sahodito Gurudai Pushpavanto Chitra Sangdo Tamamuno Vande Ham Shri Ramakrishna Abhayo Charano Sako Sukado Paramanando Sundaro Subhadakriyo Hey Krishna Karuna Sindhu Inabandu Jagatpate Gopi Shagopi Kakanta Radha Kanta Namoste Aptakanchana Gurangi Radhe Brindavanishwari Vishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye
Excuse me, everyone. We're setting up an interpreter. I'll be with you in a moment. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Shri Gaurya Vaishnav Guru Parampara Ki Jai. Shri Jiva Goswami Ki Jai. Shri Satsandarbhas Ki Jai. Anantakota Vaishnavinda Ki Jai. Glorious devotees, thank you so much. I'm going to uh, put the slideshow back on. I was trying to set up for an interpretation, but uh, Padman, Swami Padmanabha and I were having some problem with that. So we will just continue to our class. So we're going to continue today uh, with our discussion of the Paramatma Sandarbha and a couple final points. So, excuse me, I need to restart for the recording. Um, we'll continue today with the final uh, discussion on Sri Paramatma Sandarbha. A couple final points on the ontology of the Jiva, then we'll go on to the ontology of Maya. And uh, hopefully we will complete uh, the discussion uh, today of the Paramatma Sandarbha and push on to the Krishna Sandarbha. So we left off uh, in our last discussion, speaking of the specific characteristics that she Jamatri Muni uh, put in his listing of intrinsic characteristics of the jiva, uh, which were not listed in the Padma Purana um, intrinsic characteristics or Swarup Lakshana of the jiva. Those three specific characteristics that um, brought Jiva Goswami to choose Jamatri Muni's um, presentation were. Uh, the fact that the jiva is endowed with knowership, it's he is endowed with agency, and he is endowed with uh, experiential capacity. So some anuchetas bring this out. Uh, the 35th anucheta, uh, jiva writes there 
Moreover, by the very same statement, it is further shown that the capacity to know, natritva, also belongs even to the pure atma by virtue of its being a knower of the presentational field. And this cognitive capacity being a natural attribute of the eternal self is also eternal and thus does not undergo modifications. So again, just to remind ourselves, Jiva here is presenting the intrinsic characteristics of the Jiva. These are, um, as we discussed last time, maybe another way to look at it is the intrinsic characteristics of the Atma. Uh, meaning that uh, sometimes the terminology jiva is applied, <clears throat> excuse me, when we speak of the atma, the pure essence of our being, uh, being influenced by the Lord's external potency, uh, we some sometimes it's referred to as the jiva when it's under that influence, and sometimes and referred to as atma when that essence of ourselves is not under that influence. Uh, just different terminologies that are applied to uh, the applied to the nature of our infinitesimal selves. So here, these three things, uh, thinking, feeling, and willing, uh, you could say, are these characteristics that uh, Jiva Goswami wanted to highlight from Jamatri Muni's uh, presentation of the Jiva. So here he's written that this capacity to know is there independent of the jiva being influenced by the Lord's external potency. So we go on to the willing agency or the, the agency of being able to bring it about um, something. Because the body is seen to have agency, kartritva, as a result of its relation to the individual conscious being, and because inert objects are also acknowledged as sometimes exhibiting agency due to the presence of the indwelling supreme consciousness in accordance with the statement without whom nothing is accomplished. It is concluded that agency ensues only from the pure, i.e. only from the individual or from the supreme consciousness. Thus it is said, being infused with whose conscious portion, the body, senses, vital force, mind, and intellect perform their respective functions. So again, just to clarify, 
we're speaking of the fact that this is an intrinsic characteristic of the very nature of our being. We have this ability to of agency, and so does the Supreme. Of course, he has his ability. Sometimes his ability of agency comes through his manifestation as Paramatma and gives and gives life to the material, what apparently is an, the in, inert external energy. A little bit more on that later as we uh, proceed in our discussion today. And final, finally, we want to discuss uh, this experiential capacity. This is also intrinsic. Next to be considered is experiential capacity, boktritva, which is in the form of feeling or effect, samvedana, and which culminates in the jiva alone, which is conscious by nature. As Bhagavan Kapila says in the third canto, know the Purusha, who is transcendental to Prakriti, to be the cause in experiencing happiness and misery. Here the Purusha is that is being referred to um, is the Jivatma. Know that, that that infinitesimal particle of the Supreme, and of course, as we know, all the jiva, the the this jiva tattva, this jiva shakti is coming through paramatma. It is actually an, a shakti of paramatma. We are a, a manifestation of the conscious energy of the paramatma aspect of the supreme absolute truth. So now we'll go on and discuss just a little bit of the ontology of maya, the bahiranga shakti. Uh, again, uh, I remind uh, all of you that this is a very, um, oh, uh, very much an overview of what's presented in the Paramatma Sandarbha. And in, in trying to come to what sections of the, of the Paramatma Sandarbha to bring to light in this discussion in order to, to stimulate our interest in this Paramatma Sandarbha, I found myself uh, at times just overwhelmed with so much deep, detailed knowledge of the nature of, of, of Paramatma and his various shaktis, of which we're one, and his Maya Shakti. Jiva Goswami has, has presented the deepest philosophical concepts and the Paramatma Sandarbha itself can be seen in that light. It is so comprehensive in bringing to light the nature of the Lord's potencies that we have 
the most acquaintance with. Uh, and by, by seeing how we fit into the total picture of the Supreme and his various energies and how the environment in which we inhabit fits into the total picture of his various potencies, uh, we become enlivened as devotees uh, to, to understand how deeply our acharyas allow us entrance into this transcendental knowledge, uh, which is, which is, it's beyond anything that we can come to uh, with all the, with all of our intellect and all the intellect of the, the combination of all humanity for all time, we could not be introduced to this much in-depth understanding of the nature of our being, the nature of our true self, and the nature of our true source. It's just, it cannot be comprehended by, by our capacity, by our mental and, and, and intellectual capacity, why we, were, why we were, are still under the influence of the Lord's external energy. So for the Acharyas, for someone like Jiva to take the Bhagavat Purana and extract from, a, from it this essence of transcendental knowledge in such a way that we can begin to comprehend the nature of matter and the nature of the spirit and the nature of our true selves is, is truly, as I say, it's, it's, it enthuses us in our pers pursuit of transcendental knowledge on two counts. One is it is itself just this hearing and engagement in bhakti. And second of all, it gives to us in a relatable way uh, these insights that we could not arrive at in any other way, this descending knowledge. And what Jiva's done is basically he's given us uh, this basha, this commentary, a deep commentary on, on the Bhagavat Purana. And the Bhagavat Purana, as he's already made clear, is the topmost presentation of spirituality available for us, even superseding the Prastana Trii that all the other Vaishnava Sampradayas were utilizing up to the time of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's advent. The Bhagavat Purana was there, but it still took the advent of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his direction to the Goswamis to, to bring out this essence 
And in doing so, we have the Sandarbhas of Jiva, wherein Jiva makes clear the Bhagavat Purana. This is the topmost evidence regarding spirituality. And then Jiva presents the Sandarbhas and pulls out from that topmost essence of spiritual reality insights, the deepest of insights into the nature of, of being. And the Paramatma Samdarbha is so significant in that regard because it acquaints us with the nature of our being that we are most familiar with, our own mind-body complex and the, and the environment that we ourselves inhabit, uh, the material energy. So, speaking of the material energy, let's go on. The ontology of Maya, Bahiranga Shakti, the instrumental, Nibhita, and constituent, Upadan, aspects of Maya, the 48th Anucheta. Jiva says there, in this way, the intermediary, Tatasta potency of Paramatma has been described, the Tatasta Shakti, ourselves, Jivatma, in its pure sense, Atma. Now we shall discuss the potency known as extrinsic, Bahiranga. This potency, called Maya, which is operative in the matter of cosmic creation, maintenance, and dissolution, was referred to earlier in terms of its incidental characteristics, Tatasta Lakshana. It is known as Trivarna or tricolored, signifying that which is constituted of the three gunas. And then Jiva quotes from the Bhagavad Gita, this divine Maya of mind consisting of the gunas is very difficult to cross. So Jiva is saying, I've, we've already we've already given an overview that Paramatma has these three characteristics and these two primary Shaktis in relationship to the cosmos, uh, the Tatasta Shakti, the Jivas, who are, which are conscious, and the Maya Shakti or the Bahiranga Shakti. I've already discussed that in brief, the three modes at the beginning of the work. Now, we're going to go on and go into a little more detail. He continues, uh, in, the, in this Anucheta, and at this point, I'm, I'm drawing from the commentary, because as we've discussed before, these Anuchetas are extremely uh, complex, and therefore, I just want to bring out the essence to give you some, some vision of what Jiva's accomplished here. So it's written in the commentary, Paramatma presides over both the Tatasta and Bahiranga Shaktis. Having defined the incidental intrinsic characteristics of the Tatasta Shakti, Sri Jiva now begins his explanation of the extrinsic energy or Bahiranga Shakti, which is the Tatasta Shakti's field of action, Shetra. This is called prasang, prasanga sangati, or contextual correlation. The antaranga shakti, which manifests the transcendental abode associates and divine play of Bhagavan, 
was already explained in Bhagavat Sandarbha. So the Bhagavat Sandarbha, we were introduced to that personalized aspect of the supreme personality of Godhead, and we were told about his domain, his transcendental internal abode, associates, and his specific characteristics. Now, in the Param, then Jiva went forward and is discussing the Paramatma expansion of Bhagavan, which is the field of activities for the Tathasta Shakti, ourselves. And this terminology, prasanga sangati, points to what we just discussed, that we can understand this and relate to this as it relates to ourselves and our own experiences. We are aware of ourselves. We know we exist. We are aware of the fact that we have consciousness. We do think, we do feel, we do will. And then all those other intrinsic characteristics may seem a little foreign to us, that we are eternal, that uh, you know, uh, we're all, we have so many other intrinsic characteristics as a jiva, but these we can directly relate to, thinking, feeling, willing. Now, the others, we may need to be schooled in. Never was there a time that we did not exist. Never will there be a time that we don't exist. That, and, and, and so many other intrinsic characteristics of the nature of our being, which are common to both ourselves as conscious entities and that supreme personality uh, of whom we are an infinitesimal um, shakti of. The Bahiranga Shakti, the commentary continues, the Bahiranga potency is known by different names, such as Prakriti, Maya, and Durga. The incidental characteristics, Tatasta Lakshana, of the Bahiranga Shakti. So let's not confuse the terminology. Tatasta Lakshana here is referring to the characteristics of Maya. So the incidental characteristics of Maya refer to its role in the matter of cosmic creation, sustenance, and dissolution. Although these functions are ultimately conducted by Paramatma, who manifests as the three guna avatars, they are executed in a secondary sense by the Baharanga Shakti, consisting of the three gunas. We will get proceed to what is the primary uh, reason for the manifestation of the Baharanga Shakti, the Swarup Lakshana, uh, as Jiva concludes his Paramatma Sandarbha. But here he's just speaking of the 
incidental characteristics, the cosmic creation. Um, so the extrinsic, the commentary continues, energy called Maya has two divisions, namely Nimitta and Upadan. The th three gunas are Nipita, I'm sorry, Nimitta, or instrumental cause, and Pradhan, which transforms as matter, is Upadan, or the constituent cause. To explain this, Sri Jiva refers to Bhagavan Sri Krishna's instructions on Sankhya philosophy, philosophy to Uddhava. So, two, two aspects of Maya. Maya has both a constituent, a component uh, aspect, matter, so to speak, in both its subtle and its gross forms, and it has a causal aspect. Um, so we'll go on to understand these two aspects from the explanations given here. Sankhya posits, posits that Prakriti undergoes various stages of modification under the influence of Paramatma's time energy. The material world undergoes cycles of creation and dissolution day and night. During the creation, jivas perform actions and suffer or enjoy the outcome of their meritorious and unmeritorious deeds. At the time of dissolution, the evolutes of Prakriti merge back into their respective causes and ultimately back into Prakriti, which remains in an inactive state. So now we're getting some hint that this, that there is matter and matter undergoes transformations. There is a stage of creation, a stage of maintenance, and a stage of dissolution. All this is happening under another influence of the material energy. And here it's pointed out to be the time energy. So that's the Nimitta. And the Upadan is Pradhan, and then Pradhan goes into Mahat. Mahat expands further uh, on the influence of the modes of material nature, which are also causal themselves. Um, and therefore, you have the evolutes of matter, earth, water, fire, air, ether, and the subtle evolutes, mind, intelligence, and false ego. We'll continue in the commentary. During this period, the jivas have no, now we're talking about the, the dissolution period, when there is no material manifestation of those evolutes of Pradhan. During this period, the jivas have no physical bodies, and their residual karma called destiny or daiva remains with them. This daiva is instrumental in bringing forth corresponding new bodies in the next cycle of creation. Uh, just to imagine the, the under, what's happening, I like to say under the hood of material nature, when, when the supreme uh, paramatma wraps up all of the material universes 
and all the material elements are again dissolved into his being, um, into the great Brahman, the jivas also are there. Uh, they maintain their individuality and all of their residual karma, as it's pointed out here, or what's going what's to come our way based on our prior activities, that's not forgotten. It's not that in the next creation cycle, all the jivas start out equally with no background. No, our background is there because our conditioning under the influence of the Lord's external energy is a naughty. It's beginningless. So we can't trace out a point when we were not under the influence of uh, activities within the material Bahiranga Shakti, Maya, and therefore we've all, always been under the influence of karma. And even when the Lord wraps everything up, and there is still the, res the residual karma that's yet to be experienced, both in our meritorious and unmeritorious actions, our good and bad activities, we're, those results are still waiting for us. Uh, but, they're, they're, but they're not influencing us at the time of complete cosmic dissolution when everything is wrapped up. A verse from the Bhagavatam describes, from the 11th canto, Krishna is instructing Uddhava, describes that when the jivas, along with their destiny and prakriti, are in the dormant state within Paramatma, there are no divisions of seer and seen. This state is described in the Upanishads by statements such as, in the beginning, there was only the atma. The word atma here refers to Paramatma, because the individual Atmas are not in a state of uh, action. Continuing and now going to the third canto from the Bhagavatam, prior to the world appearance, there was only the all-pervading complete person Bhagavan, the self of all selves cited in the present, as well as in the previous Anucheta, refers to the period of cosmic dissolution prior to the world's appearance. Because Prakriti and the Purusha are all merged in Paramatma at that time, it is said that he alone exists. His aloneness, Kaivalya, is only in reference to the material creation, which is non-manifest at the time. From the point of view of the eternally self-manifest spiritual domain, however, he is never alone. He is accompanied by all his eternal associates. So even though there is a, a temporary wrapping up of the material manifestation, there is never a wrapping up of the spiritual manifestation. And therefore, the Supreme Lord always has his eternal abode and associates, and he is always active in that Vaikuntha atmosphere. It is only 
ourselves who go through this continual cycle of individual samsara and cosmic samsara. Next, we'll read a little something from Anucheta 53. Jiva writes there, and here uh, again, this is a long Anucheta, and we've just taken out a portion, and we've gone to this portion just to highlight these distinctions of the constituent, the um, material, saying material in respect to elemental, the elemental or upadan, what are the elements of material nature, and the, the causal elements of material nature or maya. So quoting Jara, fever personified, speaks to Bhagavan about the distinction between the two parts of maya in the form of upadan, elemental, and namita, by describing their different functions. Time, destiny, karma, the jiva, innate disposition, subtle matter, the presentational field, the vital force, the empirical self, atma, the modification of subprakriti, the body, the continuous flow in the form of seed and sprout, all these constitute your maya. I take shelter in you, the prohibitor of maya. Now, Jiva Goswami will look to the commentary of Sridhar Swami. And he says in his Anucheta, Swami comments, again, we cannot overemphasize the significance that Jiva Goswami gives to the Bhagavat commentary of Sridhar Swami, of your. Swami comments, time kala is the precipitator. Previous action, karma, is the instrumental cause, nimitta. The same karma, when manifest as on the verge of de delivering its fruit, is called daiva, or destiny. Innate disposition, swabhav, is made up of the unconscious impressions left by karma. What is our nature? The jiva is that entity to whom these attributes belong, tadvan. Matter, dravya, means the subtle or causal elements. The presentational field, kshetra, is material nature as a whole, prakriti. The vital force, prana, means sutra, or the first modification of prakriti predominated by rajas. The empiric self, atma, here means ego or I consciousness, ahankar. Here ends Sridhar's comment. Jiva then expands on <clears throat> Sridhar Swami's commentary on the verse spoken by Jwara and explains it further saying that <clears throat> in this verse, Kala, Daiva, Karma, and Swabhava 
are the nimitta, instrumental part of maya, or the extrinsic energy, bahiranga shakti. The rest are the upadan part, the constituent ingredients. But the jiva who possesses all these properties, tadvan, is made up of both. A part of the instrumental potency, namita shakti, also proceeds correspondingly into the set of constituent ingredients, upadan, such as the eye consciousness, ahambhav, of the jiva entering into the element called aham, which characterizes the limitations, upadi, of the jiva. This is the result of avidya, ignorance. So, the clarification is, is being made by jiva. Some of these are constituent parts, and some of them are instrumental parts that make up our constitution. And we are, we are influenced by both. We, we certainly can't deny the influence that uh, comes upon us from the material body itself and all of its components. And we certainly can't deny the influence of these other, other subtle um, influences like karma, like our destiny, like our innate swabhav, what, what, what makes us ourself or gives us our I consciousness what makes me that race car driver and has made me from the beginning of this lifetime attracted to going fast. Where did that come from? What, what is that influence? Why wasn't I influenced like by somebody, like someone else whose natural inclination in life from, it seemed from, very, from the very beginning, from birth, was to be an intellectual and to, to study all the different philosophies of the world and become a, a world-renowned teacher of philosophy in my later life. What, what pulls us in one direction or another? What influences the pains and pleasures that I experience in my day-to-day -day existence? Um, as And who can deny the overriding influence of time itself as I'm forced to go through both the material changes of the body and the psychological changes that I experienced throughout my life. Just to expand a little bit more on these influences, and how these influences are predominated by uh, the Lord Shaktis. Now we look a little deeper. Jiva takes us a step deeper and to say, to, to point out the following. 
Bhagavan Sri Krishna speaks of the first two functions of the nimitta part of Maya. O Uddhava, know that knowledge, vidya, and ignorance of vidya are my two forms, energies created by my Maya, which are beginningless and cause the bondage and release of the embodied beings. Again, Jiva goes to Sridhar Swami, quoting him in regards to this verse. The word forms, tanu, here means potency, shakti, because bondage and liberation are expanded or accomplished by them. They are created or brought about by my maya, being forms of maya's functions. It's very interesting in, in looking to the extensive unpacking of this these ideas of vidya and avidya and how they play out in relationship to um, conditioning and liberation and are still eternal aspects of the Lord's external potency. So all of these aspects of, of the potency are there and they themselves are eternal. But we know that knowledge can lead to liberation, which is an end to material existence for the jiva. So it would take a few classes for us to dive deep into those anuchetas from the Paramatma Siddhartha, but uh, we will certainly uh, mention that it is an exploration for those that are truly interested in, in really diving deeply uh, into the nature of, of what are Jiva Goswami Sandarbhas and how those Sandarbhas nourish an understanding that leads to the deepest uh, insight into the Lord's uh, energies. So vidya and avidya. And here again from the, um, this section of the Paramatma Sandarbha, uh, these two potencies, vidya and avidya, uh, are those, that knowledge and knowledge and ignorance related to maya. There are actually two knowledge aspects. And one knowledge aspect, of course, is knowledge in relationship with the extrinsic, extrin, external energy, extrinsic potency. Uh, we certainly have knowledge of that. And we certainly have knowledge of the self in relation to that. But there is also a knowledge potency, which is of the Swarup Shakti of the Lord, which can grant liberation. And that's descending knowledge. So it's important that we de develop the fine discrimination to distinguish between the two. And Jiva helps us greatly in that regard. A little bit more from the Anucheta, Jiva writes, 
a doubt is raised. If bondage and liberation are the effects of maya, then surely they cannot be beginningless and endless, respectively. To this, the verse replies with the word ajay, meaning beginningless. Therefore, for as long as I inspire ignorance, there is bondage. And when I bestow knowledge, then liberation becomes manifest. Here ends Sridhar's comments. Here, beginning forms of Maya's functions means that knowledge and ignorance are factually states of Maya, Maya Vritti. By saying that they are created, Vinir Miti, what is meant is simply that they are manifested by Maya which it has unlimited other functions because they have no beginning. In the same way, this word sporati becomes manifest in Swami's commentary is to be applied only to liberation because the jiva is liberated by its very own inherent nature. And it is due to ignorance alone that there is an appearance of bondage. When knowledge arises, the liberated state is simply brought to light. So the intended sense is that liberation is the jiva's permanent state. So again, now we look more, what is this Maya's influence on the jiva? The jiva, in fact, itself is pure. The jiva is always liberated, but it becomes influenced by the Lord's external potency. But its very essence is to not be influenced, just as the Lord is not influenced. But we are infinitesimal, and therefore we do come under that influence due to false identification. We identify with Maya in a false way, but that isn't the reality of our existence. The Anuchin continues, here it should be understood that the aspect of Maya known as Vidya is only a gateway to the illumination stemming from the wisdom faculty that is a specific feature of the Swarup Shakti or the intrinsic potency of Bhagavan. By itself, however, the Vidya potency of Maya is incapable of bestowing liberation, even, unfortunately, for the Jivan Mukta. Up to the stage of Jivan Mukta, unless there is a pinch of bhakti, there is no possibility of conquering over material nature simply by knowledge alone. So the yogi and the jnani can go so far, but really the, the knowledge potency from the shrub shakti is the culminating factor of the perfection of their ideal. So it's only when they are so influenced 
by the Sarup Shakti that they can reach perfection. They must have some influence of the Sarup Shakti. And we know that influence that makes them successful is Bhakti herself, Bhakti, the Bhakti Shakti of the Swarup Shakti makes uh, that perfection possible. Again, going on in the same theme. <clears throat> that aspect of Maya known as avidya in turn has two functions. So the, let's talk a little bit more about ignorance, Jiva says. The potency of concealment and the potency of projection. The first is situated in the Jiva alone, covering his inherent consciousness. The other continually causes attachment in the jiva by inciting cognitions that are other than the reality. So the potency to cover us over and the potency of us wanting to be covered over and projecting ourselves through false identity into the material association. Some commentary on this will be in order. Mark has two divisions, namely Upadan in the form of Prakriti or Pradhan and Namita in the form of the Gunas. The Upadan part manifests 24 tattvas, 24 material uh, energies. I don't know how many, how that's broken down in the current contemporary um, periodic chart, <laughs> but from the Vedic uh, literatures, we look at 24 tattvas in regards to the constituent part of matter, be be beginning with Mahat. Uh, Nimita has the two divisions, uh, knowledge and ignorance. Avidya has two further divisions. The first of these covers the true nature of the jiva, and the second furnishes it with illusory knowledge. Sri Jiva makes an important comment about vidya granting liberation. Vidya is a potency of maya, which truly speaking has no power to grant liberation. This vidya is in fact a doorway to a higher vidya the specific part of the intrinsic potency that is actually instrumental in revealing the liberated state. Both have the same name, Vidya, but are two distinct potencies. Is, liberation is not possible without the help of the intrinsic potency. And then we have in the commentary specific references from both the Bhagavad Gita and the Srimad Bhagavatam in that regard. We will continue now into another division of the Paramatma Sandarbha.
So we've looked at the, just now, the Lord's Mahiranga Shakti, the Maya Shakti. There is so much more to be discussed there, but this is just an overview. So we'll go to the next section of the Paramatma Sandarbha, wherein Jiva brings out the fact that the universe is a product of Shakti Parinam, not Vivarta. Uh, important point being made here, basically to refute the Advaitin viewpoint that the world is simply false. So it's simply an illusion. So this philosophy, Vivarta, that, that, that everything is basically just a, a manifestation uh, uh, ending in illusion uh, is certainly uh, not uh, the Gaudiya viewpoint and the viewpoint put forth in the Bhagavat Purana or any of the other Vedic scripture. Uh, rather, the universe itself, <clears throat> excuse me, is actually a Shakti of the Paramatma feature of the Supreme. The world is a Parinama of Paramatma Shakti. Anucheta 58. Very long Anucheta. It's in subdivided. First part, some little portion. So it is to be concluded that Bhagavan's transrational power alone is the cause of the appearance of duality. Now, this section of the Paramatma Sandarbha is extremely significant to those wanting to dive deeply into an understanding of Achinta Beta Beta Tattva. Because Jiva here takes goes to great lengths to point out the nature of this transrational power because really this is this is an amazing thing this manifestation of material energy uh, from his very being which is without consciousness manifestation from his very being of a conscious potency that can be influenced by his non-conscious potency. Achinta beta beta tattva. How really is that possible? How does it come forth? And Jiva goes to great lengths here in the Paramatma Sandarbha to, to bring to light the intricacies of our philosophy that distinguishes Gaudiya Vaishnavism, this philosophy of achinta, beta, beta, tattva. The Lord's external energies are viewed in so many different ways by the various sampradayas, in, and so many presentations have been made regarding the Lord's external energies and the jivatma uh, by the various acharyas of those sampradayas and, and other great sadhus in the wake 
So this explanation has been uh, has so many different. There's so many different viewpoints. Uh, Adwaita Vad, uh, Suda Adwaita, Adwaita Adwaita, and really to go into all those philosophies. And here Jiva goes to great lengths in his Paramatma Sandarbha to fully justify our Gaudiya perspective of a, a chinta, a transrational understanding, something that is, is beyond uh, conventional, uh, convention, it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't fit between the ears. The Lord can have inconceivable potencies that are contradictory. How is that possible? So he, this achinta beta beta tattva and, and, a, and a deep explanation of it really goes a long way to highlighting the depth of understanding of our Gaudiya Sampradaya. So we'll just read a little here. I don't want to go too far over time and just introduce ourselves to this idea. And then we'll conclude, we'll proceed in the next class um, with a little bit more in-depth look, look at this. We can't dive deeply uh, without years of study of the Paramahs and Dharma, or at least weeks and weeks of classes. But our focus is Krishna Sandarbha, and we're going to move in that direction, being drawn by uh, uh, the objective uh, given to us uh, for these classes. So it is to be concluded that Bhagavan's transrational power alone is the cause of the appearance of duality, because there is no duality in transcendence. Therefore, although Paramatma by his very own intrinsic nature is altogether free from change or modification, he transforms into the form of the universe and so on through his transrational power. Just as a philosopher's stone or a Chintamani gem can produce anything desirable, and just as a magnet can move a piece of iron from afar. This has been accepted by Sri Vyasadeva. Brahman is the creator because the Shruti says so. Brahman is understood only through the Vedas. So with that, uh, I will conclude uh, this week's presentation. Uh, my apologies for the little uh, time delays at the beginning of the class. Uh, hopefully, uh, if this uh, service of translation is needed going forward, uh, uh, I'll be properly trained as to how to establish it. <laughs> um, if anyone has any question, uh, I can certainly do my best to address it before we conclude everything.
And if no one is coming forth with a question, I will humbly and respectfully thank you for your kind association. And I sincerely hope that this has uh, nourished your spiritual understanding and, and enthused your practice. Banchakalpatubis cha, krifas indubiva cha, patitanam, pavanivyo, vaishnavidya namo namaha. Yeah. 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 There's one question, please, in the chat box. All right, I'll look there. Chat. Chat. I don't see the chat. Acha. So the question is, Ayana Purna, everyone can hear me, I hope. Uh, I understand that time is controlled by Paramatma, dualities continue so. In that way, when Paramatma leaves the purified body, time becomes the uh, eternal present. Param I understand that time is controlled by Paramatma, dualities continue. So while time is controlled by Paramatma, dualities continue. So is that when, why when Paramatma leaves the purified body, time becomes the eternal present? Could you please tell us more about it? Hmm. I'm not sure what you mean by the phrase eternal present. Um, I think more our understanding is that um, time is a shakti of paramatma wherein the material nature uh, is, is pushed forward. If there was no time energy of paramatma, then everything would remain static. As far as this uh, time becomes the eternal present, um, under, I think it's important for us to understand when we talk about eternal present, uh, we're talking about, I assume you mean transcendence, and in transcendence, everything is eternally present, but there's also an influence of energy there that gives rise to Leela. So in Leela, there is also the, uh, the appearance of past, present, and future, and it is experienced within the, the context of the Leela, and there are also aspects of transcendence where one is simply fully immersed in, in uh, what uh, Swami Tripurari sometimes says as, as a snapshot or uh, an eternal uh, vision of that. So I don't know if that answers your questions, but there's, it, it's two different influences. One is under the influence of yoga maya, and it's simply to facilitate 
the loving exchanges between Krishna and his devotees and enhance those reciprocations uh, through the Lord's Leela. And the other is the influence which pushes forth the material manifestation in creation, in maintenance, and in dissolution. I hope that helps in some way. Anything else? So, again, my sincere thanks to all of you. Hare Krishna. Priya, <laughs> <laughs>